This is a message from Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef. We pray that it will encourage you in your walk of faith. If you would like to learn more about Dr. Youssef or Leading the Way, please visit ltw.org. If I'm talking to you one-on-one or I come down to where you are and I would say to you, or ask you rather, what is the one word in the English language that is more abused, misused, and wrongly overused, what would it be? Love. Let's just examine this for a moment. Parents, and I've met some, who absolutely refuse to discipline their children, they refuse to train their children, they let them run wild and they say, it is out of love. What kind of love is that? There are some husbands and wives who refuse to be honest with each other, open with each other, transparent with each other. And they say, well, it's out of love that we do that. What kind of love is that? Friends do not speak the truth to each other. And they say, well, I just don't want to hurt his feeling. It's out of love that I don't say the truth to them. Now, what kind of love is that? There are whole denominations that refuse to condemn sin and call what is wrong, wrong. And they say, this is out of love. What kind of a love is that? There are couples who cohabitate together and refusing to make this lasting commitment in marriage. And they call that love. On the television screen, the movie screen, we see all kinds of selfishness and all kinds of lusts. And they call that love. In fact, in July of 99, in the city of Berlin, there was a something what they call love fest. It's the most revolting thing you've ever seen in your life. And then they have the organizer on television being interviewed by a BBC correspondent. And the correspondent asked the organizer, he said, wouldn't it be more accurate to call it lust fest? He said, yes, but calling it love fest sounds much better. I think I know a little bit about history. And I can tell you probably there was never a time since the time of the early church when the concept of love has been more confused than our time. And yet, in the midst of this utter distortion, listen to me, please. In the midst of this utter distortion, in the midst of this complete disfiguring of the beautiful meaning of that word love in biblical terms, you and I are under obligation not only to restore the beauty and to restore the real meaning of the word, but you and I are under obligation before God to practice biblical love. I couldn't help but think about some cynics who define love as what happens between a man and a woman who don't know each other. Another one said that uh, love is a temporary insanity curable by marriage. You know, one of the most important challenges to biblical love is how to practice it. First to understand it and then practice it. Because it is the opposite, it's on the other side of all that we've been dished up to us as love. And that is why it is on the top of the heap among the fruit of the Spirit. 
in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Love is not only first in the list of the fruit of the Spirit, but it is synonymous with the fruit of the Spirit. Why? Because love encompasses all other characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit. Encompasses all the other characteristics in the list. Love is the first fruit of the Spirit. And it is not just pleasant feelings. It's not just the goosebumps. It's not just that good feeling. But love primarily is self-giving. That's it. And I want you to hear what I'm going to tell you very carefully. Because I don't want you to misunderstand me. I understand this is, as I said in the earlier part, the most confused subject. But true biblical love is not accurately demonstrated when everything is going great and wonderful in your life. True biblical love is not accurately manifested in the times of plenty and abundance. True biblical love is not accurately, I'm using the word accurately very carefully here, is not accurately portrayed when everything is hunky-dory in your life. And you have goosebumps all over. No. True love can only be visible in the tough times, in the testing times. True biblical love can only be demonstrated in its fullness in the times of of the strains and the stresses of life. Let me ask you this. I mean, how in the world can you demonstrate really biblical love when you're just all over yourselves trying to please one another and impress one another? (laughs) True biblical love comes after a few years in marriage. You know, with diapers up to your knees and bills to pay, snoring, Sickness, balancing checkbooks, loneliness at home and pressure at work. That's when the true love of God, that's when the biblical love, that's when true love can really be demonstrated. You know, some wives would tell you that their husbands are courteous and thoughtful in public uh, like he used to be when they were dating. But at home, he's rude and selfish. Wives, likewise... Uh, Husbands uh, say that wives are gracious and vivacious in public, just like they used to be when they were dating. But at home, they are moody and crabby all the time. Have I stepped on enough toes yet? (laughs) Too often, we want to hurt. When we get hurt, we want to hurt back. But the fruit of the Spirit says that we do not pay evil for evil. Now, ladies, I want to tell you something. Will you listen to me? I hope you know that I'd say this out of love. But listen to me, please, ladies. Giving your husband the silent treatment when he wrongs you or disagrees with you is not exhibiting the first fruit of the Spirit. Guys, I want to tell you something. Hiding behind a newspaper or your laptop computer or the golf course or your work when your wife hurts you or angers you, is not demonstrating the fruit of the Spirit. Love as a fruit can only truly be manifested precisely at these hurtful times, at these angering times, at these irritating times. Parents, 
loving your teenager in the midst of the ranting and raving fits. You know I've been through it. (laughs) It's truly exhibiting the fruit of the Spirit. Kids, listen to me. Loving your parents in the time when they tell you you cannot do this, you're exhibiting the fruit of the Spirit. Christians, Christians, God's people, loving your Christian brother or sister when you know that they have deeply wounded you is the real time when you truly exhibit and demonstrate the fruit of the Spirit of love. Now, most Christians, when everything is going well, oh, they will tell you how much they love God. But let them get the slightest, and I'm talking about the slightest, financial reversal. Who gets cut out of the budget first? God, whom they say they love. It was many years ago when I was talking with a person who came to ask me about tithing and offering and giving. And, and I, I did not seek him out. He, was, he sought me out. So, you know, those of you who have ever talked to me, you know, I am in the pulpit as I am in private. I'll tell you the truth. Don't come to me if you don't want to hear the truth, okay? So he wanted to know who we were talking, and obviously he's been troubled about something, and I, I just told him the truth about loving God and in, in your finances. And, and he said, but I can't afford tithing right now because we are putting all our money in building a vacation home. I said, that's fine. You'll have no argument with me. So he looked at me and said, you're serious? I said, oh, I'm dead serious. You have no argument with me. But don't tell me how much you love God. Don't tell me how much you love God. Listen, in the book of Acts, when Barnabas sold a piece of land in Cyprus that he owned, he came to the apostles and he placed it all at their feet. There were a couple in the church of Jerusalem at the time who wanted synthetic sainthood. Ah, Barnabas did it. We can do it too. Yeah, me too type thing. So they went out and sold a piece of property and they came over, except they did one thing before they came over. They kept a good portion of it at home. (laughs) And they placed it at the feet of the apostles. And Peter said, is this all it is? They said, yes. And Peter said, why did you have to lie to the Holy Spirit? Here's what he said to them. I want you to remember this. He said, when the land was yours, was it not yours? Yeah. When you sold it, was not money yours? Yeah. You didn't have to give it. He said, but why do you have to lie to the Holy Spirit? And both of them, as you know, dropped dead on the spot. Tell me you love God and keep him out of your pocketbook. I don't understand that. Because God himself said, where your money is, there's your love. (laughs) I know it says heart in the Bible. That's really what he meant. That's where you love. Where your money is, that's, what, that's where your love is. Let me tell you something. I want to make a confession to you, so I want you to listen carefully. I am not preaching at you. I'm telling you what I know firsthand. Biblical love is a challenge that ends all challenges for me personally. It really does. More than temptations and more than anything else. It is a challenge that ends all challenges And that is why precisely why we talk so much about it and practice it little. Because we don't understand it. And because we see it as so challenging, it's beyond our ability to comprehend it. The prevailing thought in our culture is that we have the right to react as we want. 
and if necessary, get even. But let me tell you how God reacted. When God said, I love you, he did not say, I love you only if it's convenient for me. (laughs) He didn't say, I love you only if it's not going to cost me much. He didn't say, I love you only if you're good. He didn't say, I love you only if you work harder. No, when he said, I love you, he took all that is precious to him. He took all that is dear to him. He took all that is of uttermost value to him. And he took all that is most beautiful to him. And he gave it all up and gave it away. When he said, I love you, he was not only willing to pay the price, he paid the price. Don't ever make the mistake of thinking that love is cheap words or a cheap word. No. When God said, I love you, here's what he was saying. He was saying, I love you all of the time. He said, I love you under all conditions. He's saying, I loved you when you were rebellious. I loved you when you were disobedient. I loved you when you did not love me back. I loved you when you turned your back on me. I loved you when you ignored me. I loved you when you kept me out of your life's plan. Oh, yes, I loved you even when there was nothing in you that deserves my love. You see, love is a choice. It really is. It's a choice. When a couple come into my office and head in the cloud and, oh, we love each other, we're loving each other, and I try to bring them down to reality. Give them some tests. Take them through the scripture. I bring them down to reality. Let them understand that love is a choice. Listen to me. You choose to love the person when your feelings will tell you to get out in a huff and slam the door as hard as you can. You see, there's a, love is a choice. It's not a feeling. You choose to love that person who cut in front of you and took the last parking space when you're waiting for it for 10 minutes. <laughs> and then in the back of the car says, God loves you and I love you too. Now, feelings, feelings wants you to go out and grab that bumper sticker and shove it down his throat. No, that's feelings. Love says loving. You choose to love the person who was unfairly and unjustly criticizing you when your feeling says, give him a piece of your mind. You choose to love the family member or the church member who disappoints you again and again when your feeling says, give them up. You choose to love your co-worker who is trying to make himself or herself look good at your expense when the feeling says, get them back. I want to tell you something. There was a time in my life when somebody ever questioned my integrity or anything about me, My temptation is always to try to rearrange their facial structure. (laughs) I'm testifying to the Lord. I really am. But now, I write them love letters. 
You say, how come? How come you changed? I want to tell you something very important. Even before you make that choice, I said it's a choice, but even before you make that choice, before you even get to that point, you have to have power to make the choice. I don't think even the choice is easy, easily made, even if you wanted to. Listen, this power will not come from self-determination that you're going to love. You're going to love. You're going to love. You know, I've tried that and it failed. <laughs> that power will not come from strong desire in your heart to love. You read the scripture and you said, yeah, I've got love, I've got love, I've got love. I've tried that and failed. That power will not come from sheer willingness to love the person. It will not come that way. And that is why the Apostle Paul says, love is a fruit. It's a fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit will manifest itself if the branch is so tied into the tree. And a good tree produces good fruit as a Spirit-filled life. Two things that will stop you from living the Spirit-filled life... First, it is the quenching of the Holy Spirit is when you're constantly hearing the voice of God speaking to you, saying to you, serve in the children ministry, serve in this ministry, do this and do this. And he keeps saying, yes, 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 sometime down the road, when I get old, somehow, later, later, you are quenching the Holy Spirit. And the other one is when you grieve the Holy Spirit, the Bible said, grieving the Holy Spirit is when you know what the Word of God said and you don't obey it. Quenching the Holy Spirit, grieving the Holy Spirit will not allow you to live the Spirit-filled life. And if you do not live the Spirit-filled life, you are not able to produce the fruit of the Spirit. There is no way on God's earth, listen to me please, there is no way on God's earth that I can, with my own strength and power, love someone as myself. No way. No way. I might say I do. I might even fake it. But deep down, I don't have the power to do it. And you know what? Here's the news I have for you. Neither can you. Neither can you. Only when I come daily, single, every single day, when I allow the time between me and my precious Heavenly Father, when I stay early in the hours of the morning before Him, the powerful, the Almighty God who called me by my name, only when I come to Him and empty myself of my own ambitions and empty myself of my own desires and empty myself of my own wants and empty myself of my own greed... And then I say, here's an empty vessel, an empty container. Fill it with your presence. Fill it with your power. Fill it with your strength. Only then can I bear the fruit of the Spirit. Only then I can love somebody. Even if I know they've insulted me. Even if I know they have rejected me. Even if I know that they have despised me. Even if I know they habitually criticized me. It doesn't make any difference. You know why? Because I no longer love that person. But the Lord Jesus Christ is loving them through me. I have become a conduit. I have become a channel. That's it. D.L. Moody, back when he started his school 
He used to do every year. He has part of that curriculum that he taught the students over and over and over again. He'll take an empty glass and he would say, uh, how do I get the air out of this glass? And every student will come up with all kinds of ideas. Suck the air out. Is that what crashed the glass? And finally, he will take a pitcher of water and he fills the glass with water. He said, the way to get the air out is to fill it with water. And the way to get me out of the way is to be filled of the Spirit of God so I can bear fruit, the fruit of the Spirit. Being Spirit-filled and bearing fruit is an exact science. It really is. It's an exact science just like uh, uh, horticultural is an exact science. Now, you bear fruit if the tree is good and the soil is good, but there also have to be cultivation that takes place in order that the fruit be manifest, the fruit be beautiful. How do I cultivate the tree? By pulling the weeds, by cutting the dead branches, by cutting the useless branches, by fertilizing and watering, and all of this is very painful. It is not easy. But they are necessary for the tree to bear fruit. Good fruit. Fruit of the Spirit. Cultivation by itself, of course, does not produce the fruit. I hope you didn't think I'm saying this. Cultivation by itself will not produce a fruit, but I tell you what it will do. It will help the fruit to be manifested. In the same way that is stressful times, tough times, testing times, hard times, they are in themselves, will not produce the fruit of the Spirit, but they will give you an opportunity to manifest the fruit of the Spirit in your life and in mine. None of us can manifest the fruit of love and forgiveness unless your heart is absolutely filled with gratitude to God for forgiving you your sins. You can't do it. You can't do it. I want you to hear me right. Please don't misunderstand me. If you are a person who does not see your sin as repulsive, (laughs) but God loved you and cleansed you when you repented, you will not be able to love others. If you think that God loves you and saved you because you are sophisticated, uh, because you are debonair, because you are urbane, because you are cut above, chances are you're not saved. (laughs) God doesn't save those people. It's only when we come in brokenness and humility and confession and repentance that we get saved. But if, if you think you are saved because who you are or what you've done or anything else, let me tell you something. You're going to have a hard time loving and forgiving others. Let me give you an exercise. It's an exercise that I personally go through. When you come across a repulsive individual, and I hate to use the word, but I'm using it to make a point. And then you look at this person and start looking down at this person. And there your self-righteousness begins to well inside of you. And you're ready to vent your spleen. Take a moment. Look up to heaven. And thank God for forgiving you. Because you were just like him or her to God. But he loved you. And then ask God to love him or love her through you. I want to tell you this. 
and I'm going to conclude. A story told about a retired chaplain who was sitting on a train. This is a number of years ago. And next to him in the train sat a young man, late 20s, early 30s. And, and this wise older man realized very quickly that the young man is, is very agitated. He's very disturbed. He's, he's very anxious. He's, there's something wrong. And, and gently engaged him in a conversation. And the young man began to reveal who he is. That he comes from a small town where his family is well known in that town. It's a godly family. Family known for loving God. But he has committed a crime for which he went to the penitentiary. And he had just been released from prison. And while he was in prison, he had no visitors of his family. He had no letters from members of his family. And he was confused and agitated as he was going home. And he told the chaplain, he said, you know, he said, uh, I've sent a letter to my folks and I said to them, I said, if you still love me and you have forgiven me, here's a signal. And the signal will be that in the big apple tree at the outskirt of the farm, the family farm, put a white ribbon. Then I'll know that you still love me and you have forgiven me. If not, if I don't see the white ribbon, I'm just going to stay on the train and keep on going west. And as they got closer and closer to the family farm, and the boy couldn't even look. He became so agitated that the wiser man put his arm around him and he said, he said, let me look for you. And the boy covered his eyes because he didn't want to look. He did not know what to expect. And as they passed the family farm, the man looked out and, and kind of with a broken voice and said to the young man, he said, you know, there is no ribbon. On the big apple tree. But before the man could react in any way, the chaplain continued and he said, You know, there are white ribbons all over every tree. There are white ribbons on the, on the telephone poles. There are white ribbons all over every house. There are white ribbons everywhere I see. And this dear man of God said, He said, I felt like I have witnessed a miracle. But my precious friend, I want to tell you, There's always something miraculous about deep abiding love that transcends troubles and overtakes natural tendency of pride and hurt. Shall we pray? Somebody said years ago that God did not make two of us alike. In the same way, he does not deal with us Two alike, he deals with us individually. You know who you are and where you are. And the way the Holy Spirit spoke to you is different from the way he spoke to me. And what he brought you under conviction about is different from mine and vice versa. My urging of you is this. If the Holy Spirit has spoken to you in whatever aspect, please respond to him. Do not quench the Holy Spirit. Say, God, I want to be a loving man, a loving woman, a loving boy and a loving girl. Father, forgive me my unloving ways. Forgive me for taking your love for granted and think it's something that's due to me. Oh, Father, your kind of love is a challenge that ends all challenges. And yet, you called me and you called us 
to love with the same kind of love. Oh God, in the flesh we know it's impossible. But in the power of the Holy Spirit, all things are possible. Empower us and forgive us. Strengthen us, oh God, we cry. That in this fallen and crazy world, we will stand as shining lights as the stars in heaven because of our love for you and for one another. Oh God, we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.